Nehemiah 6 this morning. There he is. Hey. Uh, Nehemiah 6. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open that. The words will be on the screen, but then they're going to magically disappear throughout the day. So um, we're going to be in Nehemiah 6 this morning as we continue looking at uh, what Nehemiah is called to do, this building of the wall. Um, Nehemiah has responded to God's call in his life. He's responded and said, God, you've put this thing on my heart. You've put this, play, this thing in me. And Lord, I just want to respond. I want to build. And we've seen Nehemiah respond over and over again to opposition, over and over again to seeing um, to these different roadblocks that he's had. And yet he continues to respond well. He continues to go to God. He continues to say, Lord, you are in control and I can trust you in that. Nehemiah's team has been building the walls of Jerusalem, trying to restore order and peace in this city. And it has not been easy. They have continually come up against conflict and strife, both from outside attacks and also from internal conflict. They've continually tried to battle against these forces who have tried to stop this wall from being built. And we've seen how Nehemiah has responded, how Nehemiah has led them in the way he has responded. And once again this morning, we're going to see opposition arise and distractions arise. It's not as forceful. It's not, it's not these, um, you know, we've talked in the last few weeks about what do we do when... Um, there's opposition like things like ISIS and the attacks that have happened and the attacks in Paris. Uh, but today is about distractions. Today is about what happens when we just get distracted from what we're supposed to be doing, when we just get put off of the normal rhythms of our lives, the normal things God is calling us to. What happens when we get distracted from those things? How are we to respond to that? Right. Last week we talked about how Christians are supposed to when we see injustice, we are supposed to respond. We are supposed to be a generous people. Um, and today, we're going to see that to defeat distractions, we need to have discernment, and we need to be dedicated to what God has called us to. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to jump in to Nehemiah. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. There is none like you. God, I thank you for this place. Thank you for Christian Fellowship, for giving us this place to gather together to enjoy one another, to worship and to fellowship and have breakfast and laugh. And God, you have given us this great community, this great place. And Lord, we pray that we might be a light in this city, that we might be a light in the darkness of Chicago. God, as we open up your word today, as, as we continue to study your servant Nehemiah, Lord, I pray that you speak to us in the busyness of life, in all of the different things that that try and take our attention, God. We want to give our attention to you. Our hearts want to be focused on you. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to learn discernment and dedication. God, we thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you are calling us to. We pray in your son's name. Amen. So Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Now when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to this time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Let's stop right there. So it's now or never for the enemies of Nehemiah. They realize the wall is almost done. He's got to put in a few last, you know, he's got to put the doors and the gates, but it's pretty much been built. And so now this is, 
last ditch, Hail Mary, fourth and long, we got to do something. We got to try something to stop this wall because if this wall gets built, if they finally actually finish this, we're not going to be able to have any kind of rule or reign in Jerusalem. It, the anarchy is going to come to a close. And so they heard the wall was being built. And so they invite Nehemiah. They've tried so many different things, right? They have tried to attack. They've tried to instill fear. They've tried to do all these different things, and they've been, they been stopped every time. And so now they say, you know what we haven't tried? Let's just be nice to him and see if that works. And so these guys who have been trying to stop the wall from being built call to Nehemiah, and they send him letters, and they say, hey, you know what? We're sorry. Let's hang out. Why don't you guys why don't you come down to the plains of Ono? We'll hang out put this whole thing behind us, and we could just be friends. Right? They try and distract Nehemiah by saying, just come, take a break. You've been working hard. That, the wall's almost done. What more do you have to do? You don't need to finish that up. Come and hang out with us. And Nehemiah says, no, I'm good, thanks. And they send another letter, and another letter, and over and over again, he says, no, we've got to finish here. We've got to focus on what we're doing here. You see, not everyone, Nehemiah saw through exactly what was going on there. He saw through their lies and their words. Nehemiah had discernment. We required discernment. That's how Nehemiah knew he couldn't leave. It wasn't just a matter of he couldn't leave because the wall wasn't going to get finished. It was, I don't want to go because I don't trust you. I know they're going to harm me. He says, look, I can't come to you. I'm doing a great work. But they sent four different times, four different times. But Nehemiah's discernment was such that he knew what was going on. He knew what they were trying to accomplish. You see, discernment is the ability to judge matters according to God's view of them as opposed to the outward appearance of the situation. Because the outward appearance is that they're calling for, let's hang out, let's take a vacation. But because Nehemiah had discernment, he knew something else was going on. Discernment is something that we need to develop in our lives. And we can develop discernment from being in Scripture, from studying the Word, from asking questions, pursuing knowing God, being in community. That's how discernment grows, when you ask and learn and grow more and learn more about the will of God, His heart for you and for His calling on your life. Discernment is a gift that's been given to us, a gift from the Holy Spirit, and something that we can develop over time. It's a gift that helps us to really understand situations like this, situations where it might seem like there's a good situation in front of us, but it might not be the best situation. Because for Nehemiah, it was, probably was good for him to take a break. He's probably worn out. He's probably pretty exhausted. It probably would have been nice for him to take a break. But the best thing to do was to continue working and finish what he had been called to start. Nehemiah had discernment. Right? We've seen him quote Scripture. We've seen him pray Scripture back to God. So we know that he knows the word. And so I'm sure he knew something like Proverbs 27, 6, which tells us, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's truth like that from scripture. It's truth like that that's, uh, that teaches us to be on guard, to pay attention to people's motives, to learn and, and grow in those things. And so how does Nehemiah respond? He responds well. He doesn't insult. He doesn't argue. He just says, look, I'm busy. I got, I got work to do. I'm busy doing a great work, and I can't leave. And even as they continue to ask, they continue to pester him, he doesn't get angry with them. He doesn't insult them. He's never really even all that engaging. He just says, he's, he's pretty mindful of how he responds to the enemy, and he just says, look, I'm busy. 
Proverbs 25, 21 to 23 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Kill him with kindness. Nehemiah is very mindful here of the situation. He's very mindful of how he words what he says to them. I'm busy. This isn't about you. It's about me. I'm busy, and I have a great work to do. Responding well to our enemies is much better than going into battle with them. And Nehemiah knew this because of his discernment, because of his dedication to God, because of his focus on God and God's will in his life. Nehemiah knew he needed to respond well to these people. Nehemiah's discernment helped him focus on the task at hand. He knew that he needed to stay and complete the work. It was almost done. This thing that God had put on his heart, this thing that took so long, to have the opportunity to have happen is now almost done. And he needed to focus on the task at hand because discernment helps us learn where to put our time and our energy. There are a lot of good things and a lot of things that we can pursue. There are a lot of needs even in this city. There are a lot of places that this church can get involved in because there are lots of needs. Our city is hurt. Poverty and homelessness and just there's all kinds of stuff all over the city. All kinds of places we can say, yes, that is a good cause. That's something we need to focus on. But discernment helps us learn where to put our time and energy. It helps us learn that there are things that we should be pursuing that God has called us to. Right? That's why we're in this time of just kind of questioning, just kind of figuring out what do we want to be about? What do we want to pursue? What are the areas that we can help? How can we best serve Roscoe Village? Because there are lots of needs. There are lots of things that we as a church can do. There are lots of needs and holes in this city. But just because there's lots of needs doesn't mean we have to be the ones to fill every one of those needs. We need to find the ones that God says, this is where I want you. This is where I want you to pursue. And that takes discernment. It takes time. And it takes us as a community studying and praying together. God, give us discernment. God, give us insight into what you're calling us to. Nehemiah had discernment. Nehemiah knew that this situation was not a good one. And so his enemies try again. They say, all right, being nice didn't work. We'll scrap that one. They didn't try very hard. Let's continue and pick it up in verse 5, because now they got a new plan. In the same way, Sambalat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. You have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So come. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you have been done, as you have, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. So now the enemy says, okay, being nice didn't work. Now we're going to try and trap them. Look, Nehemiah, there's stories all around that say you're trying to start a rebellion. And not only are you trying to start a rebellion, you want to be king. Right? Remember, we talked about at this time, the Persians are in charge. The Persians are in charge of everything. And so any kind of uprising by the Israelites would get squashed pretty quickly. 
They claim everybody is talking about it in Nehemiah. Everybody's heard, even Geshem. Even one of the local high-ranking authorities knows you're trying to start something. Trying to bait Nehemiah into showing up and refuting their claims. Because basically at this point they're saying, look, the king of Persia is going to find out about this because we're going to tell him. So you better show up. You better come and meet with us. Now it's blackmail. Now it's, we're going to get you in trouble. One way or the other, this is going, coming to an end. And Nehemiah, again, does not let the situation overwhelm him. He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't attempt to combat their allegations other than to say, it's not true. You're making it up. He doesn't waste any kind of energy, really, on them. He just says, you're making it up. What's your regular response when someone is trying to bait you into an argument? What's your regular response when you see that post on Facebook that just makes your blood boil? How are you letting those situations affect you? For Nehemiah, it was just a matter of, look, I got work to do. You guys are driving me nuts. It's not true. I'm going back to work. Nehemiah doesn't ignore the situation. He addresses it, but simply says, he doesn't let those things affect him. His dedication to God, his dedication to the work is his driving force. And Nehemiah knew that they were just trying to get a rise out of him because in verse 9 it says they were doing this because they wanted to frighten us. They wanted to put fear in us. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that fear can be this intense paralytic. It can slow us down or even stop us from pursuing what God wants from us. And Nehemiah was again able to discern the motives of these accusations and respond with prayer, it says. Right at the end of verse 9, he prays, God, strengthen my hands. Think about that. This is Nehemiah. He's reading a letter. He reads this intense lie about him. Probably writes back, nope, it's not true. And he prays, God, strengthen my hands. This is not one of those big, high-intensity moments. This is not David standing on the battlefield staring up at Goliath. This is not Elijah up on the mountain surrounded by false prophets trying to get God to rain down fire. This is Nehemiah writing a letter. And yet still, his initial response is, I need to pray. God, strengthen my hands for what's about to happen. Strengthen my hands to finish this work and finish well. Because Nehemiah understood that it is only through the strength of God that we accomplish anything, especially dealing with a situation like this. Especially dealing with a situation where there are so many distractions, so many things trying to get our attention, trying to take us just a little bit off track from what God has called us to do. And Nehemiah's response is simply, God strengthen me. God strengthen me. God be here. And so once again, Nehemiah's enemies have failed at trying to distract him. So now they come up with another plan. It's like the Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. Over and over they come up with these plans, and over and over they are thwarted. Jump in at verse 10 with me. Moreover, oops, sorry, I was inside. 10, now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his house, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? 
And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalad had heard him, had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalad, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So Shemaiah comes and says, look, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you by night. That makes it like even scarier. It's going to happen when you can't see. They're going to come kill you, but i got a plan. Come, we'll hide out in the temple. We'll close the doors, lock you in. They won't be able to get in. Simple, easy plan, right? And this is someone who Nehemiah should be able to trust. He's a prophet. Maybe even a priest. We don't know, but he says, let's go and hide in the temple. The priests were the only one who had access to the temple, so possibly he's a priest. And it makes sense, right? This plan comes to Nehemiah and says, let's hide out in God's house. God's going to protect you, Nehemiah. You're God's guy. You're doing this for God. He's going to protect you. And that's common sense, right? When in doubt, when scared, when being attacked, we're supposed to run to God. He's our strong tower. He's our hiding place. It's biblical. But in this case, Nehemiah saw some holes in the plan. Shemaiah says, let's go and hide out in the temple. He wants Nehemiah to hide out in the temple. Great plan, except for this one thing. Numbers 18.7 says that if any outsider, anyone not a Levite, comes into the temple, they will be struck dead. Nehemiah is very much not a Levite. So the plan here is, Nehemiah goes in, hides out in the temple, he's breaking the law, everyone's going to find out about it, his whole name, his whole reputation is going to be destroyed. He'll have no credibility. They won't want to follow him. They won't finish the wall. Or, plan B, God strikes him dead. Win-win. That's the plan, and Nehemiah sees right through it. Nehemiah figures out really quick, you're not for me, you're against me. You claim to be a prophet, but you are clearly against me. So how do we discern like Nehemiah did? How do we know when someone is bad, when someone is claiming to speak on behalf of God, when someone is claiming to say, look, I have good to bring for you. When we're reading that Christian author, when we're reading that or listening to that Christian podcast, when we're listening to that pastor, how do we know what's right from wrong? How do we discern the things they're telling us? Because it makes sense, right? Go run and hide in God's presence, Nehemiah. But that was the thing that could kill him. So how do we discern these things? How do we discern what we're hearing? How do we discern if, if there's so many distractions, so many things trying to get our attention, and we're trying to focus on God, and so, okay, we're going to focus on God, we're going to listen to the Christian podcast, we're going to get sermons, we're going to try and stay focused. How do we discern what's good and bad? First John tells us to test the Spirit. Does the thing you are reading, the person you are listening to, point people to Jesus or to themselves? Are their goals man-made? Are their goals earthly? Or are they God's goals? Are they focused on God's plan, God's vision? Because again, Nehemiah here does not attack. He doesn't dispute. He prays. And he prays, God, be just. God, be you. God, I'm tired. I need you. Remember what's going on here. 
Nehemiah's response to these distractions is continually, God, I need to just be focused on you. God, I want to be dedicated to you and what you have called me to. And it pays off. We've seen time and time again Nehemiah responding, a challenge coming against him, an opposition coming against him, and he runs to God. And this constant cycle that he goes through pays off. Let's look at verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehoahan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence, and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Nehemiah has responded well over and over again, constantly showing he is dedicated to what God has called him to do. And the wall is completed in 52 days. Think about that. We talked about from chapter 1 where Nehemiah first hears that the walls are still destroyed to when the walls get built, to when he actually, before that, when he gets to go ask the king for the chance to go build the walls, he prayed for four months. He spent more time in prayer preparing for the moment to even ask the king to do this than it took to build the walls. It took 52 days to build these giant walls, to rebuild, to get rid of the rubble, to take what had been broken and destroyed for almost 100 years, rebuild something new, to bring structure and order. God provided Nehemiah this great opportunity to trust in him. God put this thing on Nehemiah's heart He said, Nehemiah, go. And he brought these people around Nehemiah, and he gives them this opportunity to show off, to show that God is big, and God did what he always does. He showed up in a miraculous way, and this this wall gets built in 52 days. And it was so impressive that the people knew that the work had been done by God. Because this wall wasn't going to get done. Remember, we've talked about, these were perfumists and goldsmiths and nobles, no one that was actually trained on how to build a wall, and yet it was built securely and strong in 52 days. And so people knew God had helped them. And it was through Nehemiah's discernment and dedication that the wall was completed. He did not waver. He did not get distracted from what his plan was. And so now we live happily ever after, right? No. No, it says the wall was built, and even though the wall was completed, that doesn't fix all of the problems. That doesn't fix all of the issues. There were still men in the city who were working for Tobiah. Men in the city who were indebted to Tobiah, who owed him money. They were spies in place in the city, within the walls of Jerusalem. Those who still opposed Nehemiah we're still at work opposing Nehemiah. So he has this great moment and says, look, the walls got built in 52 days. Amen. But that doesn't change the fact that I still got to deal with these people who are trying to destroy me. You see, we're called to build. We're called to serve God. We're, and God will put these things on our hearts and says, 
go and focus on this. Focus on this ministry. Focus on this task. And we're called to respond to that, but that doesn't mean that everything then is going to be sunshine and rainbows. Because we still live in a broken world. We still live in a fallen world. There will still be those who oppose us and oppose what's going on. Still those who want to tear us down and hurt us, even in those moments where we say, God is good, God is awesome, look what he has done for us. There's still going to be opposition. There's still going to be distractions. See, this discernment and dedication that Nehemiah had isn't just useful for when we are in the midst of following God towards a certain specific goal or path. But it continues all the time because even as we move forward, there are always going to be those around us trying to distract us, trying to get us off of course just a little bit. And really, the only way that we're going to avoid distractions in our lives, the only way we're going to avoid those things that try to compete with us following God, with us trying to grow to be more and more like Him, the only way we're going to avoid those things is to be like Nehemiah and focus on God. Nehemiah was only successful in completing this task, this project, because he had a divine perspective and not an earthly. He didn't let the earthly distractions get to him. It was his trust in the promise that God, that, the promise of God that motivated him. It was trust in the promise of God that God says, I'm going to restore my people. I'm going to restore my city. You are going to be part of that, Nehemiah. He trusted that God would take care of him. Right? He lived on this side of the cross. So even the big picture is that Nehemiah trusted that God was one day going to get his people out from being under slavery. Because pretty much from the time that the Israelites are around, they are in slavery to somebody. And they longed for the day where God promised them, one day I'm sending someone who is going to put an end to slavery, who is going to put an end to these things, who is going to put an end to all of this and restore you back to what you are supposed to be. And that's Nehemiah's motivation there, is this is the God who promised this. God will restore us, and we're going to start by rebuilding these walls. He knew that God would restore his people. He would restore what had been broken. And in the same way for us, we live on this side of the cross. We can look back into what God has promised and what God has completed. In the same way that Nehemiah focused on the promises of God, we focus on the promise of God and how he showed up time and time again. We focus on what God has done for us, how he sent Jesus to free us from slavery, the slavery of sin, the slavery, that thing that had us, our natural instinct to rebel against God. We were living amongst ruins and rubble. And God says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be my enemies. That's not what I made you for. That's not why you have the image of me in you. You are not supposed to be my enemies and rebels against me. You are supposed to be my sons and daughters. And so our motivation to be focused, to be dedicated, and to learn discernment is what God has already done for us, sending his son to die on a cross and pay for our sins, to put an end to our rebellion, to make it possible for us to no longer be enemies of God, but his sons and his daughters. That is what we are called to be. That is our motivation. In the same way that Nehemiah's motivation was what God would do, our motivation is what God has done and what he continues to do and what he's going to do in the future. We get the joy of getting to see stories like Nehemiah. We get to see how focused he was and how much he trusted God. 
Even before Jesus came, even before the one who said he promised was going to come, he trusted that he would come. We know that God keeps his promises. We know that God already sent his son. We know that we have eternal security, that we are set, that if you have chosen, if you have put your faith in Christ as your Savior, we know that we're set and good. How, how great is it that Nehemiah's his dedication to God was in something he hadn't even seen yet? And we get to know that God keeps his promises. How much more so should we be motivated to follow, to learn discernment, to be dedicated to what God is calling us to be? Because we know God keeps his promises because he's already kept them at the cross. He made it possible for us to no longer be his enemies. Dedication in what God is calling you to and discernment, this gift that he has given us to learn, to think more like him, to learn more of his will. That is a gift. That's a gift that we need to lean into. That's a gift that we need to learn and develop over time. And it happens in community. It happens things like this where we get together and we fellowship and we enjoy and we celebrate and we sing and we open up God's word and we read. God, what do you have for us? And we ask questions. Are we doing these things on a regular basis? Because if it's just Sunday mornings, that's not enough, guys. Sunday morning can't be the only time that we're cracking open the Bible. Sunday morning can't be the only time that we're asking these questions because discernment's not going to happen there. We're not going to grow that way. But when we're getting together during the week for community groups, then it happens. When we're taking time to be around for special events and we're in fellowship and we're letting people in and we're starting to build relationships with one another, that's when those things happen. Nehemiah had great discernment and great dedication. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a pattern over and over. And it can be for us too. It's something that we need to work at. But ultimately, his motivation, his dedication came from knowing that God keeps his promises. God has always kept his promises. He does not change. He does not waver. He will always keep his promises for you. So when there are distractions coming at you from every direction, everything trying to get you off course just a little bit, saying, look, it's a little bit better. You're almost completed. Why don't you take a break? Know that God has something better for you. Know that to be dedicated to what God has called you to, that is the greatest thing that you can be doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together to celebrate you, God to celebrate how good you are, how awesome you are, being a God who keeps his promises, God. Lord, we know that this is, this is a time, we're in a season right now of thanksgiving, we're in a season of remembering all the things you have done for us, and God, we are so thankful for the ways you provide for us, for giving us this place, this building, for giving us a community to love and support and encourage one another. And God, we're thankful now for what you're going to do in the future. We're thankful now that you have called us to this place, and we're thankful for what you're going to do with this community in the future, for what you're going to do through us in Roscoe Village. God, we can rejoice because you are a God who keeps his promises. You promised that you would send one to deliver us from slavery, and you did. You sent us Jesus to deliver us from the slavery of sin. And you promised that one day he's coming back to put an end to the ramifications of sin, to put an end to these things that we have to deal with. And God, we wait and we hope, just like Nehemiah waited and hoped. We wait, we hope, and we pray, and we focus our attention, and we are dedicated to following you. 
until that day when Christ comes to put an end to all of these things and to make to make it known throughout the world that you are the Lord of Lords, the God of all things. Heaven Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you have done, for what you continue to do. We pray these things because of Jesus' name.